0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So we're happy to have Ben White here among us. Um, He's going to take some time to answer questions that you might have. It might be a question that came up during, um, as Mariko led us in that uh, beautiful uh, exercise or anything else you're curious about or want to know about him. He's a pretty cool guy, I like him. He likes being outside, he likes birds. Um, I like birds, so it must mean he's cool. <laughs> um, if you've ever participated in one of these, they're always interesting. Um, you get to learn a lot about, um, yeah, about things. So um, let's welcome Ben White. Thanks Jordan, and thanks team. I really appreciated that. Heather, the, the harmonies a couple times really gave me chills. Uh, yeah, AMA, Ask Me Anything. This was born on Reddit, right? Who hangs out on Reddit like regularly? Anybody here? No one. No one's on R slash something? Okay, yeah, you're there? All right, cool. Well, whatever. It's, it's like a thing now. Ask Me Anything. It doesn't have to be on the internet. We're doing it face-to-face because we are expressing who we are as a church that Uh, really believes that dialogue is what keeps us connected and protects our gravity I mean comparisons are really the worst but nobody does this nobody talks like we do Um, and and I think we should like really lean into it right now for a half an hour let's let's really ask the questions that are like so beautifully kind of stirred up inside of you I loved that Um, when you were reading it and the band was playing I, that, that definitely resonated with me. So hopefully our spiritual imaginations and our hearts are turned on and you're ready to ask a question about uh, me or about Circle of Hope's mission, about theology, about the Bible, really anything. Um, and if I don't know the answer, I'll – I mean, I don't know all of the answer to any of the questions you're going to ask, but we might get a little bit of back and forth going. Uh, we'll see how, how what feels right. And uh, I'll call it in. Maybe a little less than a half an hour. we got like 25 minutes. Um, And, And say, I know some people's names, but I don't know everyone's name. But like say your name and I'll repeat the question too. Okay, I'm Holly. I'm interested in how your ministry affects your emotional availability to your children. All right, Holly's asking how my emotional availability affects my, how my ministry affects my emotional availability to my children because... I think you might know a little something about this, that my job is to be emotionally available, so how could I have anything left for my kids? Um, Yeah, it affects it a lot. Um, My fuse is often very short, and it's um, only out of discipline that it's ever not a disaster, Uh, especially coming home. Like, anyone that comes home to their kids... Not everyone has kids. Not everyone comes home to their kids at, like, a certain point in the day every day. But, like, that, like, liminal space is just, like, ready to blow up uh, all the time. And it really takes some discipline between spouses, I think, to uh, mitigate the potential disaster. I mean, you might not even need kids for it to be bad. Like, when you come back together with your spouse – any kind of intimate relationship where where the day, co- you, the day comes with you and now the person who loves me needs to do everything exactly right or they don't love me. You know? You know? Like, the, that's how it feels. And then these kids that are supposed to be my pride and joy are going to, you know, get on my last nerve and I didn't even come in with any nerves in my pockets. So, yeah. How does it affect it? I mean, usually, usually for me personally, it's like... It's just a little barking and bad dadding, you know? For me, it has not got, it's more, it happens in this, that kind of liminal space. It's not like something that I feel drained all the time by. Um, I love it when yesterday Gwyneth uh, goes to the beach with her friends and it's dad day and I get to like do whatever I want with the kids. That's really fun for me. We went to uh, Blueberry Hill in, Lindenwald PA, and we climbed up to the top of it and rode skateboards down. Uh, that was fun. I, 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 and I get, and also emotional availability, especially for, I think dads and sons or like brothers or men has a lot to do with like activity. You know, that's one of the ways that we connect. So I don't know, it might be too easy <laughs> to 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 restore just to be together, to play, to um, connect physically. That. That's all it takes. No matter how much I screw it up, the kids are so forgiving. It's it's crazy. You know, they they get over it really fast. And I I am I when I do like blow up like that, I make a, I, I feel like I am beholden to my children as beholden to the Lord, so I ask for their forgiveness often. I think that's I think I want to actually repair the relationship even if they're not demanding that. I'm not going to just let it get smoothed over by their uh, inherent joy, I'm gonna take responsibility as often as possible and relate to them as I want them to relate to adults. You know, when they when they are an adult, I wanna start modeling that now. Did that get at some of it? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. That's good. I like the personal. It's good. Uh, you're a bird watcher. I'm curious, I don't know how to ask this, but how like, how do you connect watching a spiritual model? Jesus said so. He said, he, he said, consider the birds. And I'll just take that as the whole Sermon on the Mount. And if you do it, I mean, Jesus is constantly, I mean, he, de- Jesus definitely loved birds, you know? He talked about it more than once. On different occasions, it gets into all the Gospels. I don't know if it's in John. You guys can check me on that later. But, But definitely, there's this connection with the natural world, and birds are so prevalent. They're everywhere. They're the soundtrack of outside, um, probably more so in ancient Jerusalem. And uh, just so connectable. Everyone sees, but but I think that they're so easy to to participate with, to pay attention to. And yes, also, because of their uh, ubiquity, they're also so easy to ignore. So I think Jesus asking us to tune into the regular, tune into the thing that's happening right here is a, is a really profound thing that he's teaching us, and 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 a profound thing that he has taught me in doing so, because if you pay attention to birds, they're not as normal as you think. There are more there are more birds around here in Philadelphia than you know, and so you could be you could just plant a little. Um, uh, Growing present of joy by pay, by trying to pay attention to what bird it is that you're seeing at this point in my life If I see a bird in my peripheral vision in this zip code, and I don't know what it is it freaks me out I Want to know be, be like I because I, there's only like 10 it's, it's really easy to be a bird watcher in Philadelphia But then like it's 10 and most of them are sparrows and pigeons and starlings you know but then there are you know those other seven that you get to see sometimes and it's like so exciting and fun to see these birds and to 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 appreciate this mundane beauty just like pouring all over your eyes all the time so for me it has to do with joy it has to do with uh careful attention uh, and and mostly with um my regular life so, so it doesn't require more for me, like I don't want to be one of the birders that has to, um, you know, go to South America to like get my bird list longer. Though I will definitely do that if you fund it. Um, <laughs> that's I'm more into like I just want to know my environment. I want to know my space. I want to live in this land and um, be a part of the ecosystem and understand all of my uh, feathered brothers and sisters. Charles. Uh, how do you respond to people who want a connection to God, Jesus, through Christianity, but don't want anything to do with the institutional church? Because I kind of see that a lot where you know, They don't want, you know, want to connect with God, um, but they don't want to you know how they do with the institution. You know? do you think, have, you, have you met people that want to connect to Jesus in that situation? I know a lot of people that want to connect to God, and not connect to the institutional church, but I've had less experience with people who wanted to connect to Jesus, but not the institutional church. Do you know people like that? You're not Jesus. I, I'm, I'm just but interested that in. You the... know, kind of
1: like... so they want to connect to. I think
0: maybe with the Christianity, think more of a concept, but maybe due to the ways in which they may see, you know, other Christians. Ne- so they have this kind of divine longing, um, and they even have some maybe practices in their life that uh, connect them to God. Maybe Jesus is involved, maybe not. But they don't. But they're, def- but, they're cer- but they're certain. But they're don't want to connect to an institutional church. And ha- how do I approach those folks? I think it starts with you know understanding <laughs> why why would you want to be in the church? Uh, why why would why would you want to like if especially coming from the outside? Uh, and I guess there's different directions, depends on how they're coming. A lot of the folks that I meet that don't have much experience in church personally, they're just kind of getting the cultural narrative about the church. Folks in that position, you know, why, why would you want to go ever be a part of a church? The church is terrible. They do terrible things and they have these leaders that are saying uh, terribly homophobic, racist things all the time. Donald Trump is a Christian, y'all. He's part of a church. You know, I don't think he actually goes to church, but, he, but, but he, but he does show up in churches and, you know, disrespect pastors and stuff and make them pray prayers and things. Um, yeah. So like, but then the other direction is folks that have been in the church and have kind of moved out because of difficult experiences. And, and oftentimes that, that kind of like, why would I want to be a part of a church is much more personal. They've had even trauma connected to why it is they're not involved in a church so there's, there's, there's this separation that we, ha- we, as Christians, need to address. And like, we're a church. You know? We, we got that stink all over us. You know? What do we do about that? One of the things that we try to do is we actually try to be the church in an alternative way. I don't think I can do anything to, to save that person like, in, with my argument. I'm going to bring them love, and I'm going to bring them understanding with their story if they're uh, vulnerable, vulnerable enough to honor me with their story. I'm going to receive that as a gift and I think that that's my first play or whatever. (laughs) I think that my better chance is our collective strategy of creating an environment where they can know God and act for redemption. So creating this space that is actually an alternative to that story of church that is distinct in very conspicuous ways that can be seen from the outside or that I can stand on when I'm talking to my friends and say, no. This is who I am and this is who Jesus is as I know him. And it's different than what you're coming at me with. Uh, and, I, and that's a hard thing to do. Um, but I, I, I stand on us. You know, I, I trust what God is doing among us and what I've seen with my own eyes. And I can only tell that story. And whether that story convicts them, uh, it's not really up to me. But I think the Holy Spirit is still alive, still calling people, still going around all the roadblocks that they have, and, and God's love is going to get to them one way or another, and maybe I'm going to be a part of it. So that's what, I, that's what I'm going to give my, my story, our story. And, and, and then trying to make this environment, this alternative church body, uh, everything we dream it to be. You know, I, I, That's my job. I, I work on that every day. I hope, I hope we're doing it together every day, too. Yeah, I'll be. Given that um, the circle of hope originated in the city, and you are part of the New Jersey extension of but, um, how do you feel, or do you feel, but how do you feel with the feeling of being disconnected, being on the other side of the river, from the rest of our community? This is from a 08106 brother. <laughs> Um follow-up you also creep in my No, but I easily could. <laughs> I used to creep in your backyard? Oh. That's your backyard? Oh. Sometimes I'm there, yeah. Gotta look at it like what you're creeping on me. <laughs> um, I do like that spot. It's on the way to work. Um, Oh, I'm all discombobulated by your uh, voyeurism. (laughs) But I didn't know. (laughs) Uh, I should have known. I know where you live. I just didn't connect to that. Okay. Um, uh, Yes, it is different in South Jersey. Uh, The suburbs are different. but the city isn't. Camden has this is very similar to Philadelphia um, in a lot of play, in a lot of ways, uh, and we our building is essentially in Camden. It's, the address is Pennsauken but we are one block from Camden. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult thing to be a church in because then we also have a wide draw of people. There's not a. There, there are about uh, eight hundred thousand people in our target area, but it's a very big target area. It extends from. Um, think of think of Philadelphia in the Northeast. Do we got anybody that lives in the Northeast? You live you live in the Northeast. Where do you all live? Roger Yeah, that's like the real Northeast. It's like up there. <laughs> yeah, but then it keeps going, right? <laughs> it keeps going. Like there's a whole there's a whole you know. Thing up there (laughs) that I'm not super familiar with, even though I grew up in Philadelphia. But think of all the way at the tippy top of Philadelphia at like the Nabisco factory up there, (laughs) and then all the way down to like southwest Philly by the airport, and then just flip that over like a butterfly onto uh, New Jersey, the New Jersey side of the river. It's a big territory. And we even extend a little bit beyond that with some of our cells. So there are people coming in to a very urban place on Sunday mornings and evenings. And so we have, and then we have these cells spread out pretty far. And just to give you a little bit more geography, as you go further east, it becomes more rural. When you're in Pensauken, where we meet, it's very urban. It's not, it's not that different. It looks a lot like the northeast. You know, the whole town of Pensacola is the Northeast essentially. They all moved from the Northeast to move to there, <laughs> um, and that's that is true for a lot of different places. Philadelphia is the epicenter of, of the whole thing. So there are these there's these dividing lines, but then it's still kind of Philly-centric. You know, uh, I think that like for example, where Albie lives in Collingswood, it's across the river and then like another three quarters of a mile to our building and i've spent a lot of time with people in Collingswood trying to convince them that it's okay to go to church (laughs) pensawken you know there's this like kind of there it's so divided up in weird ways and but not for everyone it's not universal some people also would never go to philadelphia you know There, there are philadelphia south jersey people and then there's like never philadelphia south jersey people and uh... I don't really understand how they become that way because they live next door to each other, but that there's all there's these lines that are very ambiguous that we're dealing with in South Jersey. So, in trying to get a movement going in a in a in a very diverse space, um, and and collect enough people that want to do this radical Jesus way, um, it, it's it's tricky because uh, it's it's not. The, for me, the, the biggest difference is it is, it, it is not as homogenous as Philadelphia. Views and um, kind of ideas about how the world works seem to be more similar among neighbors in Philadelphia. Now, certainly it's not universal, and you know that because you have neighbors that you disagree with. Uh, but there, it's, it's much more of a patchwork. And, and there's, much, there's much less... Um, I would say community centric places, Um, it is much more kind of diffuse and it's harder to like even have a common vision because we're just not living together that much. Uh, Of course there's also exceptions to that, I have a great neighborhood association, Uh, Collingswood is probably the towniest town around. but there are, there, are other, there are other really cool things happening in South Jersey with community, but I would say the suburban conundrum is we don't live together even though we live next door. So um, I think that is one of the reasons that there's more diversity in thinking in such a small area. So does that make, does that, does that make sense? I'm just, that was kind of a missional kind of uh, barf of like, what, how, what, who, who, are these, who are these people? I'm thinking about it out loud. Did you want to add something? Well, I think he also wanted to know how we in New Jersey stay connected over here. In oh, yeah, I was thinking more about how we connect people. I'm sorry. How do we feel connected? Yeah. yeah. So how do we connect to the larger body of Circle of Hope? I mean, I'm, I was born into Circle of Hope, mm-hmm. so I, don't, I, I am Circle of Hope. I don't have any sense of disconnection, and I try to bring that to my people. I think it's something we just decide we're connected because we said yes to each other it's a conscious decision. yeah and well I guess con- uh, practically Gwyneth and I decided when we moved that we have an easy pass so tolls don't mean anything <laughs> and I have I have used this doesn't happen often but I have used an easy pass on the Ben Franklin or Walt Whitman bridge three times in one day it's happened you know? Because I live here, you're my people. You know, and, and you know what? We had a budget for it and we're regularly underneath it. We're regular. Y- no, yes we are. <laughs> <laughs> what if there's the CFO? Okay, occasionally we're underneath <laughs> it. Occasionally. Well, it's worth it to be over it. Yeah. It. It, it, because yeah. So like five dollars five schmallers, you know. It does it does add up, but it doesn't add up that much. <laughs> and for you Philly people feeling connected to us, come on over. Fill up your tank while you're there, and it kind of pays for the bridge toll. The, differ- the difference... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious about... Not necessarily like grand missional perspective, but just like I got to knock these three things out every day at my job. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Greg. Uh, Does my job have like uh, normal things that happen? Like what's a slice of life for being a pastor? What does it look like to to do my job? Um, Well, you you already um, cautioned me against the grand answer, but I do do know that my, my covenant for service that the coordinators gave me in the list of responsibilities, there are sixteen bullets. Each of them a, a robust sentence. <laughs> um, but practically, what it looks like uh, is a lot of talking to people, um, a lot of maintaining systems. Uh, there, there, there are chores that I have to do. I love Trello. anybody 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 here on Trello for their task management? Alby does all the things that I do. All right, Alby. <laughs> We, we live in the same town too, but okay, the other Trelloites here too. Um, uh, so I have a list of Ben's recurring tasks, things that need to be done on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. So it varies from day to day, um, but it's like, I think one of the big things is, when I say maintaining systems, it's also maintaining teams. There's so many people that make Circle of Hope happen, and that's by design. I don't make it all. I, I help people make it. I'm, I'm the one with my eye on the ball um, that is, you know, checking all the things to make sure that the teams are communicating with each other and doing, you know, I'm, I'm their secretary. I'm a lot of teams' secretaries. Like the Sunday meeting, the, the pastor is very involved in how it's getting shaped. Of course, we have Sunday meeting coordinators that are helping make it happen, too, but it's all, uh, it's all a group project, and the pastor is the one who gets paid to be paying attention to that all the time. Um, a big percentage of my time is getting out there, though figuring out how am I going to meet the next person, how am I going to get us into a new group of people that are going to be exposed to what we're trying to do. Uh, so I'm planning events, getting out to events and flyering. I'm actually pretty good at like kind of being that guy that talks to people, strangers. Like I get strangers to give me my email, their email, sorry, um, You know, every week. You know, My goal is to have 10 people every week uh, give me their email or their phone number so we can stay in touch. Uh, and uh, I said talking to people. That, that involves a lot of talking to a lot of leaders on the phone and in person, trying to schedule coffee dates and stuff like that. I also do a lot of writing. You know, I'm trying to influence people, trying to think through things. So I write a sermon. I write a blog. I write for the pastor's team. Uh, do We read books together and review them and stuff like that. Yeah. I know you like participating in protests. uh, How has that impacted your walk and how has that uh, added pros and cons to getting other people to be in the church? Thanks, Julius. So how how has protest affected my personal journey with Jesus and how has it also affected my capacity to include other people in that journey with me? Uh, Well, definitely the uh, Protest has been a big part of my my faith journey from the beginning. Uh, I I I say the drums of war actually beat me into the Bible. September first, two thousand one, September eleventh, two thousand one, was my first week of college at Eastern University, Uh, and so I'm in this very evangelical space, kind of coming up against everything that I disagree with the church about because I was raised in a peace tradition. Uh, where Jesus says love your enemies, and now we're gonna go bomb the crap out of Afghanistan <laughs> So I, I got into it with all my floor mates and I have to be right So I'm gonna go study the Bible, and I, I studied it hard I have a red pen in one of my Bibles where it's like oh that was that reading you can tell what I was looking for um, but it, it got me into it for my own sake. I wasn't just receiving the, the communal love and the communal teaching from my parents and from you and from the rest of the body. I was now in another space trying to figure out what does this mean and am I right? It, it, you know, like what does it matter to me? Can I even stand on my own two feet? And um I uh, I tried, I was mostly an asshole. Um, like 18-year-old white dudes are. Uh, but that, that journey continued and eventually when um, we, our, our government went with shock and awe in Iraq, I signed up to leave the country with the Mennonite Central Committee and I went to Mexico where I got a calling from Jesus to study the Bible even more and even lead his church instead of the revolution. Because I was about ready to you know, join up with the Zapatistas in southern Mexico if they would have me. Um, but Jesus figured something else out for me, and it was the church. The church is the revolution I think that the world needs, and so that has been my my goal is to and, and my and my means of evangelism. And fortunately, it's the way that Circle of Hope does it. It's inclusion in the community that's going to communicate the gospel to people. It's 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 belonging in this body that is going to uh, bring transformation. To a person's life, and and Jesus is present among us, and I really believe that and I don't have another way to do it. Um, so this body does all kinds of cool stuff that is, you know, against the the injustice in the world. So including someone in this body is including them in all kinds of justice work and protest and tons of opportunity. Uh, we're supposed to go to Senator Toomey's office again tomorrow because he is such a so, in the pocket of the NRA, and will not, he, he's part of, the, uh, part of the, the senatorial power that is swallowing up that House bill that is asking for more gun regulation that's already been passed in the House, can't even get into the Senate, and, and our representative, well, Pennsylvania's uh, senator is a part of that. He's on the news saying ridiculous things. Um, and I think that's what Jesus wants me to do. Uh, and I don't, I don't think I could be faithful to who Jesus is without that peace witness. I don't think the gospel works if you haven't made peace with death. And if you're going to defend yourself with the sword, you're going to die by it. And I think it's pretty elemental to what it means to follow Jesus. We wrote a piece about guns, the seminarians cohort. And there's lots of different kind of gray areas and, and ways to include in the body like there's ways for us to be together even if we don't all believe that um but i'm gonna get out there and and let my freak flag fly and and tell people what i think i think it alienates people i think the world is completely uh bonkers and has decided that so many things are partisan politics that are actually just moral salvation issues and it sucks you know it breaks my heart that i can't even talk to someone because i'm already sorted out that happens more in South Jersey, I'll be, um, but I'm willing to face the consequences of that. I, I'm also ready to do it in love, and, and I'm constantly strategizing about how to start the conversation with someone I disagree with. If you have ideas about that, I'm sure it's something you want to work on, too, because <laughs> it's hard. But I think that what we're doing right now is that is the essence of it, it, it of how we're going to be together even if we disagree, is have this conversation, um, have the dialogue, make, keep it real and uh, uh, keep it going. Let's see if someone else. Mitch? Um, I think a lot about rough edges, like the things in us that um, sort of like we come back to over and over and over again that the Holy Spirit is working on in us through so many different seasons. So do you have any specific things that you think of as your rough edges where you can meet God and meet um, resurrection? Totally. Yeah, you could probably tell me better. <laughs> uh, the one that's coming to mind is, um, I think I just did it, I just got all hot and bothered about gun control and that wasn't even the question. I, 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 uh, I, get, I get really excited and it feels good to be excited for me. I don't feel out of, feeling out of control feels like being alive a little bit. But it, especially as a leader, it can be, it can be damaging sometimes. Um, like if there's anyone in the room that like, owns a gun or likes Senator Toomey, I'm sorry, let's talk. Um, but yeah, that kind of, uh, my, I, I run on high-octane conviction. And uh, so the fire is hot. And, so, and sometimes it needs to be tempered. It'll burn even if it's not a, a race car. I'm, uh, we'll do one more of Pete because I want to hear what you have to say and then we got to finish up thank you, well I guess the question that I have uh, going back to those people with experiences uh, within the church and family etc I think the people who, who have grown up in families that maybe profess Christ but that wasn't what you saw or what you experienced uh, but without getting any more into that uh, I'd say that a lot of churches I've asked, I've asked the question of why God would allow that, why God would have His children experience that. Uh, I haven't gotten many satisfactory answers. The most, the best one I got was teach endurance, but I don't think it means like you need to be a good human life. I think that's a good skill, but I don't think God created us just to endure. I guess, is there a lesson, something to take away, something to understand? A bad perspective about why God would, I guess, allow His children, who are children, to experience certain things. Yeah, and even in the church. Yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Um, The thing that comes to mind is what is that story in John 9 where Jesus is asked whether this guy who's blind, why is this happening? Who sinned? Was it the man's parents? Was it him? Who's at fault? And I think that's the question we ask. I think that's the question that might be what is at the center of the knowledge of good and evil? <laughs> we want to adjudicate. We want to know what's right and wrong and we, want to be able to, and we want to be able to say it. And We want to be able to be certain about it. And sometimes it seems like we should be able to be certain about it because the thing that happened was so terrible. <laughs> How could we not be certain about some of the trauma that you know about, some of the trauma that you've experienced? How could we not be certain about that? But I think that that is at the extreme end of a, a scale um, that Jesus destroyed. Um, It doesn't feel as good as Jesus saving me from my sin and the terrible things that I've done. Um, But when Jesus is answering John 9, he answers, neither. This happens so that God's glory could be revealed, and I'm going to transform this situation. So it's this kind of forward logic, this going backwards logic. Things are happening so glory can can happen in the future. The the, the trajectory of the universe is goodness and and completeness. And Jesus has has given us the window into that world, and and he's making the new creation happen among us now. And God's glory is breaking in. And so it's this kind of backwards logic. It's not about what happened before. It's about where, where we're headed next. And, you know, practically, I think making that switch might feel like covering over your wounds with paper. So I can't give you uh, a practical answer for how to um, work through that. I think it takes time. But what I think Jesus is trying to do is to reorient us completely off of of that scales of who's right and who's wrong, even those that are terribly wrong. Like, no, that whole thing is messed up and broken. It's been defeated. That whole, that whole system creates death. And Jesus has made a new life that's a new sort of life. It's not even like another life. It's a new living that we are beginning now and will see completely. And that glory is beyond our imagination. It's, it's more than we can ask or imagine. So it's really only hope that I can offer the person suffering from that trauma. Jesus promised that it's gonna be so much better. There's room for reconciliation now. There is definitely room for repentance now, and I think we find freedom. The way that we escape that kind of scales kind of life that most of us are so drawn to is we live as ministers of reconciliation, forgive and receive forgiveness like it's our job, like it's who we are because we're out of that system, we're declaring our dependence upon a new creation. Uh, and and that, that gives us some freedom. But I don't, I don't think it solves the problem because we're still all caught up in this mess. And sin is still in retreat. Uh, but it's all over us. And it hurts. So we got to love each other, take care of each other. Maybe resilience is part of it. Um, but participating in the new creation, the, the future that is now, that Jesus has made a way towards is uh, is my best answer uh, to uh, to that. There are techniques about trauma. There's circle counseling. I think trauma is something that we can work with with uh, you know therapy and uh, creating safety and you know getting through it in a new way. Uh, all that is definitely true and and that's in the past stuff. I'm not saying that's wrong, um, but the, I'm talking about like kind of big cosmic stuff. Um, which feels good sometimes and sometimes it's like, nah, it's not enough. What, 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 what else you got? So, but I think it's the best thing we have, even if it doesn't always feel immediately tangible enough for us to, to get free with it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.